1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and uh, Jim... Mike former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of uh, several murder murder mysteries, he'll be joining us as well. It is January the 16th, and on this day, well, it is Martin Luther King Day, honoring the leadership and ending racial segregation in America. Martin Luther King Jr. was a social activist and Baptist minister who played a key role in the American civil rights movement from the mid-50s to his assassination at the uh, Hotel Lorraine or Motel Lorraine in 1968. King sought equity and human rights for African-Americans, the economically disadvantaged, and all victims of injustice through peaceful protest. He was the driving force behind the watershed events, including uh, such as Montgomery bus boycott in 1963, the March on Washington, which helped bring about such landmark legislation as the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Act's right, uh, Act and the March on Washington culminated in King's most famous address, known as I Have a Dream, the I Have a Dream speech, a spirited call for peace and equity and equality that many consider to be a masterpiece of rhetoric. He actually went off script at the end and uh, did that speech. He spoke uh, extemporaneously. It was just an absolutely beautiful speech. King was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 64 and is remembered each year on Martin Luther King Day as a federal holiday since 1986. And by the way, it's also today a federal holiday to be designated as the National Day of Service so uh, we can all roll up our sleeves and do something nice here in the community, even if it's something like uh, reading for the blind or uh, any task that be an act of kindness to help others. Today is a national day of service. To, if you don't start it, at least think about it and plan it uh, going forward in the future. <clears throat> also on this day in 1919, the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution Prohibiting the uh, manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors for beverage purposes was ratified by the requisite number of states. The movement for prohibition of alcohol began in the early 19th century when Americans concerned about the adverse effecting of drinking uh, began forming temperance societies. By the late 19th century, these groups had become a powerful political force, campaigning on the state level and calling for total national abstinence. In December 1917, the 18th Amendment, also known as the Prohibition Amendment, was passed by Congress and sent to the states for ratification. Nine months after Prohibition's ratification, Congress passed the Volstead Act, or National Prohibition Act, over President Woodrow Wilson's veto. The Volstead Act... uh, Provided for the enforcement of prohibition, including the creation of a special unit of the Treasury Department. I think that's the Untouchables. One year after, and a day after its ratification, prohibition went into effect on January the seventeenth, nineteen twenty, and the day became, uh, uh, station, uh, nation became officially dry. Despite a vigorous effort by law enforcement agencies, the Volstead Act failed to prevent the large-scale distribution of alcoholic beverages, and organized crime flourished. In the United States, in 1933, the 21st Amendment of the Constitution was passed and ratified repealing prohibition. We have a similar thing going on right now in the war on drugs. Uh, It's creating a lot of of crime. And uh, quite frankly, I'm for legalizing drug as we've legalized the uh, use of uh, alcohol. Certainly people abuse it. But uh, at least we can control it and make sure it's pure so forth. It's just a lot of reasons. That's another discussion. But we made a mistake and we fixed it with the repealing of prohibition. It's official. uh, Trump's tax cuts paid for themselves. The evidence is now incontrovertible. The Trump tax rates of uh, 2017 raised revenue over the last five years. The latest Congressional Budget Office reported more than $4.9 trillion of federal revenue collected last year, nearly $500 billion higher than the projection. And corporate income tax has also beat the uh, CBO's projection by 25% since the Trump tax cut rates are uh, Revenues are up. Ready for this? Almost $1.5 trillion. That's roughly 40% rise in revenues in the five years. So much for that being a tax giveaway for the rich. We compare these numbers with the estimates of what the Trump tax cuts were expected to quote-unquote cost instead of a $1 trillion loss. The tax receipts surged. In other words, there was a giant Laffer curve effect on higher growth and higher tax payments with lower tax rates. None of this seems to matter to the Democrats, of course, who uh, maniacally want to repeal a tax cut that actually worked. So uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, alerted Congress on Friday that the United States is expected to reach its debt limit on January the 19th. That's just a couple of days away. According to Yellen, the U.S. may have to resort to extraordinary measures to avoid default. Some of the measures include payment delays in federal employment retirement plans. Yellen stated that she uh, can't know for sure how long the measures will sustain the U.S. to continue to pay for government's obligations, but she said it's unlikely that cash and extraordinary measures will be exhausted before early June. So apparently we've got until June until she loses the tools to uh, help manipulate uh, the finances to continue to make our payments. Members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus have said that spending cuts should match the amount of any debt limit increase. I couldn't agree more. Democrats are advocating a clean debt limit increase before the deadline, setting up a showdown between the parties. Congress must act on legislation to prevent a disastrous default, meet our obligations, and protect the full faith and credit of the United States, said Chuck Schumer, of course, uh, and Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries. A uh, Default forced by extreme MAGA Republicans could plunge the country into a deep recession and lead to even higher costs for American working families on everything from mortgages and car loans to credit cards and interest rates. Uh, They offer no proof of that, but nevertheless, that's what they said. Addressing the debt limit is about meeting obligations the government has already made, ensuring vital payments to Social Security recipients are uninterrupted and continue to uh, support our veterans. The debt limit was increased by a bipartisan way three times when Donald Trump was president and uh, twice when the Republicans had majorities in the House and Senate. This time should be no different. Schumer and Jeffries want, want to move quickly to pass legislation addressing the debt limit so there's no chance of risking catastrophic default, they said. Uh, we've seen seen this in previous debt ceiling standoffs, that even the threat of default leads to higher costs for working families and blah, blah, blah. So they've, uh, again, tried to uh, wave the fan the, the flames of fear. House Speaker McCarthy said he's ready to meet with uh, President Biden to hash out an agreement. I had a very good conversation with the president when he called me, and I told him I'd like to sit down with him early and work through these challenges, he said on Thursday. It's going to be uh, tough to to do that. Uh, I would suggest a good place to start was a secret rule change. We'll see the House lawmakers get a $34,000 pay bump. Republicans slammed Democrats for a clandestine move that should have been debated in public. House Democrats secretly passed a new rule that says lawmakers get a $34,000 pay raise. Where's that coming from? It also allows House members to be reimbursed for the cost of lodging, food, and travel while on official business in D.C. The change was not debated on the House floor, and many members only found out about it the change on Tuesday. Another easy cut would be for the 87,000 additional IRS agents. There's so much fat that could be cut out of this budget. So uh, what the uh, Republicans are asking for is for any increase in the budget, there's also cut... Uh, cut in costs, I think we should just try and keep the budget or the ceiling, debt ceiling where it is and just make cuts that uh, keep it our debt under that level. Probably a little extreme, but nevertheless, it'd be a good starting place, I think, for the discussion. Whoops, and it turns out a third batch of classified documents were found at President Biden's residence in Wilmington, Delaware. That, according to his ter- attorneys, Richard Sauber, Special counsel to the president disclosed in a statement that five additional pages of documents with classified markings were found at Biden's home Thursday evening, making a total of six classified documents retrieved from there. So explained that when Biden's personal attorneys identified one classified document at Biden's home on Wednesday, they stopped searching for additional documents because they lacked the security clearances necessary to view those materials. Well, that's absolutely true, but that shows the vital necessity of uh, getting this adjudicated and figuring out Biden taking documents had no authority to do so when he was vice president. By the way, during a speech on Sunday at Martin Luther King Jr.'s Atlanta uh, church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, President Joe Biden made a point to emphasize the fact that he attended the black church during his high school years and college years, uh, there's only one problem. He said he went to Mass at 7.30 and then he'd go to, uh, go to the uh, black church afterwards. Uh, the problem is, of course, with the president's story, members of the church he claims to have gone to don't even remember him. I'm afraid uh, this just is another lie uh, from the president. I think he's compulsive. He just tells lies. Why? I have no idea. The gavel looks good to the grip of uh, newly installed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, in just his first week on the job and after drawn out balloting to win it, Republicans swung behind him in full force, according to a new survey. Uh, what's more, his approval among uh, all voters has surged. This is great news. Now, I think when we go into the negotiations on this debt limit, it's certainly going to strain the Speaker's popularity. Uh, we're rooting for him, though. Hopefully he'll go in there with a strong backbone and uh, negotiate to keep the debt uh, limited. <clears throat> Well, beware of ESG policies making uh, maybe shrinking your retirement fund. The governor's warned us about this fad of ESG investing, uh, where investment houses like BlackRock pick stocks based on their commitment to environmental and social justice rather than company profitability. It's a blatant violation of the fund's fiduciary duty to investors and retirees. We've also noted that ESG funds have underperformed the overall stock market over the past several years because they divest their portfolios of fossil fuel companies, which have had very high returns of late. ESGs are running about two percentage points behind the uh, index funds. That's a lower return, can cost the retiree tens of thousands of dollars in, in their nest eggs. One of the worst initiatives pushed on on the investment funds by leftist environmental groups is the climate change concept calling for net zero, which means every company in the portfolio must be on a path to net zero carbon emissions. Well, that's kind of bunk. I'll tell you, the companies that are apparently guilty of this, BlackRock, State Street, J.P. Morgan Asset Asset Management, London-based legal in general, and by contrast, Companies that aren't doing this, and I'm sure, they're sure there's many, but uh, three that stand out are Fidelity, PIMCO, and Vanguard. So uh, beware of ESG. It's a bad idea. And Governor DeSantis announced on uh, July 22, 2022, the state has recruited and given $5,000 bonuses, $5, bonuses to more than 1,000 new law enforcement officers. And just want to commend the governor, for uh, this act. I think it's a terrific idea, getting good law enforcement uh, officers, uh, cannibalizing officers from around the nation and bringing them here to Florida and to enforce the law. It's a great idea, and uh, congratulations to Governor DeSantis. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly staff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch, no Forty-five,
0: forty-one. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by InternationalHealthPlans.com. Most of the health insurance plans in your plan may not cover international travel, and if you plan on traveling with confidence, you should go to International Health Insurance for uh, uh, as little as a buck twenty five a day. The website, check it out, is internationalhealthplans.com. Uh, Coming up, i to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Mark Shulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. Well, uh, let's start off by talking about current global events. And uh, right now there's a lot of protests in Israel, especially in Tel Aviv. Maybe you can tell us about it.
2: Sure. So uh, last Saturday night there were uh, 100,000 people demonstrating, uh, which is the largest demonstration since 2011. Today thousands of students are demonstrating. Uh, Demonstrations will continue. And let me explain what's going on. The new government uh, formed by Prime Minister Netanyahu has um, put in, and put in, not put in law, but has now proposed a set of judicial reforms that would basically emasculate the Israel Supreme Court. Um, what they're trying to do is, number one, um, allow the Israeli Knesset by 61 votes, and keep in mind there are 120 members of the Knesset, and 61 is the minimum needed for a coalition to overturn any decision of the Supreme Court. They want to, each in the Israeli government, there are um, legal advisors, and they want to now say the legal advisors are no longer have to be listened to. They're just there for an advisory purpose. They want to basically pack the court right now. The Supreme Court is chosen by a joint committee made up of, of the politicians, of um, lawyers from the Bar Association, and other Supreme Court justices. And there's like a, a committee that decides they want to make the committee to be all politicians. Um, and um, they want to eliminate a, a a part of the law that basically the, the court can decide that something is is illegal because it doesn't have um, it, it's not um, it's not reasonable. It's an unreasonable decision. Keep in mind, Israel does not have a constitution. And there really is not a separation of power between the executive and the legislative branch because it's a parliamentary democracy and the particular of its particular democracy are such that there really is no separation. Now, there are three groups that want to, to pass this reform, or they call it reform. Number one, the ultra orthodox who want to get a complete exemption from army service, and until now, the Supreme Court has basically said that's not fair um, to the rest of the population. The um, extreme settlers who want, who basically the Supreme Court has approved settlement in the West Bank, but only on what's called government land. And the Supreme Court has basically said that, li- that private Palestinian property uh, c- cannot be used for Israeli settlements, and they want to over- overturn that. And Netanyahu himself, who's on trial for corruption, uh, wants to be able to pass a law that will end his trial in some form or another. So these three groups together have an interest in in this what's called judicial reform. The rest of the country is is more than furious, is very concerned because at that point this is exactly what happened in Poland, this happened in Hungary, and what happened in Turkey. Yeah. You eliminate the court as a balancing uh, factor, and you basically have ultimately end up with a some not a complete dictatorship, but some form of dictatorship.
1: So. I'll tell you, just, it just smells to high heaven, of course, we have a constitutional republic here in the United States, and so I don't know how people process it in Israel, but I, quite frankly, I could understand why the people would be very upset about this.
2: Right, no, very, very strongly. I mean, you have to realize that in the United States there is clear separation of powers. And even when you have, you know, let's say a Democratic or Republican president and a Democratic or Republican House and, and Senate, even those members are are much more independent than in Israel because in Israel it's lists. In other words, you vote for a list, and usually the people on the top of the list pick the people on the list. So people are not even responsible directly to their their individual constituents. Mm-hmm. So once you eliminate the the court as a met method of of restraining the government, you end up with uh, ultimate power. And, of course, ultimately this comes down to the fact that Netanyahu should never have been allowed to run again, again, the man is under indictment for multi, not only an indictment. he's in the middle of a trial for corruption. So obviously, he once called on a previous prime minister, Ulmer to resign even before he was indicted, saying that he should, you know it'd be impossible to separate out his personal interests and his government interests. Um, and of course, was even further along on this, and um he didn't think it was any reason why he shouldn't run. So that's where we, that's where it stands. a lot of anger, a lot of concern and a lot of concern that there's nothing to do to stop it. That's really the issue.
1: Uh, so, uh, and again, the, the, I guess the uh, organization that could stop it or the institution would be the courts, and he's basically trying to limit the power of the courts. Right. The, the courts
2: basically could say that, A, that whatever you're doing violates basic laws or violates the, the Israeli. The Israeli doesn't have a constitution, but it uses the, the um, Declaration of Independence, as a basis for, for things that are not covered in in law, so to speak, mm-hmm. and basically they can say that this is not in in the spirit of, and so you know they the government or particularly Netanyahu government doesn't want that, and they they want to be able to do whatever they want, um, and they claim you know the people voted, you know in Israel it's a very, it's a very interesting thing, they voted, but the difference in votes between uh, between those who opposed and those supported in Netanyahu w- were. You know, like 20%, less than 20,000 20, people, basically, so out of Mark, about doesn't 5 st- million that voted.
1: Doesn't it strike you that, it, uh, you know, with all these uh, protests, and people, now we're talking about tens of thousands of people, as I understand it, uh, across the uh, state of Israel, uh, t- doesn't this appear to be uh, that uh, Netanyahu and others are, are tone deaf to what the people are thinking and feeling?
2: Yes, but they're basically saying, "Well, we don't care." You know, again, you often have that with politicians, especially when their own interests are uh, at stake.
1: Yeah, and in this case, it's his
2: freedom from not being found guilty of corruption. Yeah. So I don't care. You know, protest all you want. Yeah. And of course, you know, he'll say it's only the leftists who are protesting, the anti-government people, but that's not the case.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I know quite a number of people who would consider themselves pretty far on the right spectrum of, of Israeli politics who are out there protesting and are upset as well.
1: So, Yeah, yeah it's so interesting. But, but I should let our listeners know that uh, you're in Tel Aviv right now and have been for months, so... Uh, right. experiencing politics this,
2: here are very interesting, so I write for Newsweek from here as well, so that's
1: what... Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, deeply immersed in what's going on there. Mark, we have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around?
2: Absolutely, Bob.
1: Alright, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: back to the Bob Hartman Show, and now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more by visiting the website and also get tickets, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com website, multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a a pleasure, Bob.
1: So, Mark, uh, uh, you've actually drawn to my attention that uh, Europe is having an unusually warm winter, which is really great for consumers because uh, at the beginning of winter, we were reading that uh, the Europeans were going to struggle because of cold temperatures, but uh, this is also having an impact on the war in Ukraine. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, one of the Putin's strategies was he was hoping that by cutting off the gas, he would make things very difficult for the Europeans in the in the winter, and it would decrease support for the for the war. You know, we support them, we support them, but we don't want to freeze to death, sort of, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but um, happily for Europe and happily for Ukraine, uh, the winter has been so warm that at the moment Germany has 100 percent of its gas reserves. You know, in its tanks, 100, they're 100 percent full at this time of year. So even if the even if it was to get cold now, um, they would be able to get through the winter um, pretty pretty reasonably. Good. Um, so except for the people who are running ski resorts, we're not very happy, obviously. Right. Um, but for generally speaking, the Europeans, it's it's worked out very well. And for Ukraine, it's worked out very well. And by next winter, if if the war continues, or if just relations with Russia continue to be uh, as bad as they are, uh, by then Europe will no longer be dependent on Russia anymore for gas because they're getting a lot of gas now from the United States. They're building LNG terminals. They're getting more from from uh, the Middle East, from Egypt, from Israel, actually, and from uh, the United Arab Emirates. So by next winter, it's not going to be a factor.
1: Interesting. So, so yeah, you, you had mentioned on the show that uh, uh, the... Uh, period before the winter created a lot of mud and uh, a lot of difficulty for for armed uh, conflict in ukraine and uh, the when the when it started to freeze it would perhaps uh, lead to more violates escalate the tensions between the two countries U- europe uh ukraine and U- russia uh, has that changed at all
2: it's only changed in the sense that it hasn't gotten as cold as one would have expected so i don't think things haven't frozen as completely as would normally happen so while it was good for you know, it's good for Europe generally. It's been a bit of a problem, but it's also helped a little bit because don't forget the Russians have been trying to knock out European pa- European Ukrainian power, which is used to heat homes and everything. And again, because it's not been that cold, it has not been one of the most um, um, successful policies. Let's put it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: And so, uh, but it's still you know it's still in an in between stage. Uh, the Ukrainian uh... keep on trying to get more um, more uh, offensive weaponry. The British announced today that they will sell them battle tanks, and this will push Germany at this point to agree to to provide them with tanks as well um, and allow some of the countries that Germany has sold their tanks to to provide them to provide the tanks. so um, that um, that I expect. Uh, Will have an impact as well. I mean, the, yeah. the United States obviously has lots of tanks, but logistically, it's much more difficult to get tanks from the United States there than to get uh, German tanks.
1: Absolutely. So, which kind of leads us to the to China and what's happening in China right now? They've uh, lifted their lockdown, apparently. So, uh, what's happening in China?
2: Well, they lifted the lockdown, but COVID has been spreading very, very rapidly, and it's not totally clear, you know, they're keeping the death tolls a total secret. You no, know, like They're claiming people are dying from all sorts of diseases, everything but COVID, um, but there are clearly thousands and thousands who have been dying. Um, and um, it's roiled the economy, although some people started to get back to work, but I think we're reaching the point, I think this week or nec- uh, next week, I guess, is when um, it's the Chinese New uh, Lunar New Year and... There's vacation, and all the people return to their their homes in the city, they return to their parents or grandparents in the rural parts of China, and there's a great fear that um, that will then bring COVID to the rural communities, which are even less capable of dealing with it.
1: Mm.
2: So, uh, it's, you know, it, it's one of these cases where by the time they've they unlocked and let people, you know, no one has any, whether natural immu- immunity or uh, immunity provided by the vaccine, so we have neither. Um, and so at the moment, um, they um, they are just um, winging it. Yeah. And unfortunately, the version of COVID going around right now is the most transmittable of all. Yes,
1: I understand that, uh, by the way, it's the year of the rabbit. I have no idea the significance of that, but irrespective. Um, I, I also understand that uh, the uh, Chinese, as you've mentioned, uh, take a week or two off, uh, uh, and uh, actually they may end up working in factories for 50 weeks a year and then travel to their home to, their home to be with their families uh, during the New Year's. And uh, it's just kind of an interesting uh, moray or habit or whatever in society. Right, no, it's
2: quite different, obviously. Look, obviously, in America, we traveled to home to for, let's say, Thanksgiving and Christmas, depending on what year and where people live and what the, you know, who, you know, as as we all know, you know, who makes up the head of the family, so to speak, varies greatly from family to family and where people gather. But the America, like, you know, why is the, you know, the Thursday, the the day before. Uh, Thanksgiving and the day before Christmas, the two busiest uh, travel days yeah uh, so obviously it happens in America as well, but in china it's
1: it's absolute yeah, absolutely in fact uh, I'm also understanding that uh, in in china the in the families it's the grandparents that raise the kids while the parents are working
2: right, very much so, That's so well, we have that in America too, don't forget.
1: Well, I guess in some some communities we may. I think in in America we tend to ship people off to to places like nursing homes.
2: Well, that's yes, we have that, but we also you know don't don't forget grandparents these days are younger and and more capable than ever, so to speak. You know, a seventy year old today certainly will take can take care of young kids, and we certainly have it a lot. And we've you know we have grandparents who are in their sixties, obviously. Yeah. So
1: yeah, good point.
2: so we we certainly have that a lot where you know parents work and grandparents take over
1: yeah so uh there's also some uh, news in norway
2: right very important news it hasn't gotten enough um it hasn't gotten enough um enough news, and that's the fact that norway discovered um a huge deposit of of rare earths uh which are the, which which are used um basically for in batteries and for electric cars and all those things, and until now we've been pretty dependent on China for most of that for, for rare earth uh, minerals, mm. and they've discovered a million tons. Wow! So um, that's considered a really big thing. It'll take it'll take a number of years for it to uh, reach commercialization, but once it does, it will it will cease our dependence and the European dependence on China for um, for rare earths and that's going to be quite a positive thing. And, you know, we were always, one of the concerns was, you know, we're moving to electric cars and all these other things, but then we're going to be dependent on China. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really good that uh, that's, that's not the case in the end.
1: Well, of course, during the Second World War, Norway was a, a independent or neutral country. Uh, where do they stand now? What's our relationship with Norway? Well,
2: they want to, Norway's part of NATO. Yeah. Norway buts. No, Norway was not neutral. Norway was invaded by the Germans.
1: Yes, I remember that. that Sweden
2: yeah. was Sweden was
1: that, w- was yeah. neutral. That's right. That's right. So interesting. Again, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check out the website, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for Have joining us. Have a great us. week. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482 5399 that's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Socials a new refreshing social networking platform. I hope you'll check it out and download the app. The website is choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education.
3: Okay. We are headquartered in Atlanta and are a nonprofit organization, We focus on uh, high school and college students attempting to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. We do that through our website with fresh uh, daily content. That's at feefee.org, and also through events that we hold for students on campuses and in high schools all over the country and sometimes abroad.
1: If you have somebody in your life that's a high school or college age, introduce them. First of all, check out the website yourself, fee.org, but also introduce it uh, to uh, young people in your life because it is a life-changing and very positive experience for young people. Larry, you wrote a piece about uh, uh, the senator who saved America from FDR's court-packing scheme. History tends to repeat itself. (laughs) Maybe you can tell us about it.
3: Okay. The senator in question, the one I wrote about, is Burton Wheeler. Uh, he was born in Massachusetts, but he decided to head west. He was going to the west coast, but got as far as Butte, Montana, and uh, lost everything in a poker game, so he decided to stick around. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's where he lived for the rest of his life. He became um, a U.S. senator from uh, Montana in the 1920s, And uh, in the 30s, when Franklin Roosevelt was in office, uh, Burton Wheeler was a pretty loyal Democrat uh, in support of much of FDR's uh, rather dubious New Deal policies. But he was principled enough that when FDR tried to pack the Supreme Court, uh, Wheeler said that was a bridge too far. And he helped to lead the battle successfully that prevented uh, the president from packing the Supreme Court.
1: So interesting. And I didn't realize the details. You covered this in the piece that apparently his idea, I'm talking about FDRs, was that once a, a, a judge, of course, a Supreme Court justice is in, in the position for life. And once he became 70, he said he'd be able to appoint a new justice. That was the scheme that he'd created in order to pack the court. Now, I guess we had some aging judges at the time. Uh, fortunately, that didn't pass.
3: That's right. And. Roosevelt could not call for the impeachment of a justice that he didn't like because, uh, you know, it's it's not an impeachable offense to render a judgment that the president disagrees with. Mm -hmm. So he came up with a scheme that uh, uh, would allow the president to appoint a new one. Uh, Every time a justice reached the age of 70, and didn't voluntarily retire. Uh, Over the next two years, now that we can look back and see, you know, retirements and so forth, it would have meant that uh, Roosevelt could have appointed about six new justices to the court. Hmm. And the whole idea there was, you know, he already controlled the executive branch, his party controlled the legislative branch, and this was a reach for the uh, judicial branch that was just too far for the more sensible people like Burton Wheeler in Roosevelt's own party.
1: You know, I think our founding fathers certainly had it figured out and understood human nature very, very well. And This is just another example of an attempt to uh, uh, garner power at the expense of other branches of government. We see that happening today.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, You know that if the uh, uh, Democratic Party had the opportunity, they would pack the court. Uh, President Biden has criticized that idea in the past and appointed a commission to look into it. Uh, and hasn't moved on it really, but uh, many around him would very much like to see him pack the court if he uh, uh, thought he could get it through the Congress. Now that the Republicans control the House, it's a dead issue for now. But uh, but for people who really worship power and want to get uh, as much of it as they can, irrespective of what it might do to our traditions and the Constitution, uh, this remains a, a viable option. So we should always be careful to keep an eye out for something like this because it is a cynical use of another branch of government to get one's way when you aren't able to do so by the democratic process.
1: Yeah, the lust for power is international. I, we, I talked with a guest earlier who was in Tel Aviv, who is uh, right now watching the same type of occurrence, trying to diminish the power of the judiciary in order to uh, expand. Uh, his power, we're talking about Netanyahu's, it's so, so interesting. A universal trait, uh, the yep. lust for power, it's unbelievable. By the way, you, yep. you, you reminded me in, in the piece that uh, uh, that when we appoint, uh, or when the president wants to appoint, let's like, say, a justice, or some, some of the members of uh, uh, the, the cabinet, uh, he needs to seek the advice and consent of the Senate, we now have instituted a policy in a way that we do that, but it's not necessarily a constitutional requirement.
3: That's right. The, uh, well, it, it, it is a constitutional requirement that the Senate uh, advise in consent, but that doesn't mean that it has to uh, endorse the president's uh, nominees to the court. It doesn't even mean that the Senate has to hold hearings. Yeah. Uh, if the Senate decides, uh, or the Senate leadership decides, hey, we're not going to... Take up this nominee, as was the case when President Obama nominated Merrick Garland. Uh, there's nothing unconstitutional about that, and uh, that that the in the case of uh, Merrick Garland, the Senate basically said to the president, "We're not very fond of your nominee, and we're not going to give him our consent." That's that was perfectly constitutional.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, I guess my point being that. Uh, Tradition has now set in, and uh, uh, the president's looking for that vote uh, and approval of the candidates that he nominates. But what if he said, you know, hey, look, I talked to a couple of senators, and they kind of like the guy, so I'm going to go ahead and appoint him.
3: Yeah, there's nothing that that says the president can't put his name forward, but he can't put him on the court. That has to happen
1: by uh, vote of the Senate. Yeah, okay, so interesting. And by the way, Merrick Garland... Thank goodness yeah. he's not hes not a justice on the Supreme Court.
3: That's right. He's not, and uh, he's also proven himself to be a very highly partisan, and if not incompetent, at least uh, uh, just a very substandard attorney general. So I think it was uh, for an, another good reason that the Senate didn't approve him for the court several years ago.
1: Absolutely. I just recommend, uh, again, fee.org. Check out this piece. It's called excuse me, The Senator Who Saved America from FDR's Court Packing Scheme. So interesting. You can find that on FEE.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Jim McTagg. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now uh, retired to the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, and he's writing novels. Uh, mainly located in the Beltway. He wrote uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. And its sequel, uh, which is uh, no problem, you've got to check out their great reads. I've enjoyed all of them. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics then they know the policy. They help prepare your elected officials for uh, winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more and visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us again Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Some Great Murder Mysteries. Follow the Leader, followed by Shake the Money Tree and its sequel, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: It's a pleasure, Bob. And the mystery that I'm mulling today is uh, what does the Republican Party stand for? And I'm hoping that the looming debt crisis uh, that we're beginning to read about pulls back the curtain and shows us that the uh, Republicans in the House have a viable platform, one that appeals to the American public.
1: Let me frame it a little bit more differently. I was so pleased to see the rules changes, several pages of uh, rules changes to to support uh, McCarthy and his leadership role right now. And so the real question for me is, uh, when we get to this debt ceiling question, is will he have the guts and the backbone to sit down with Biden and say look this is the way it's going to go and uh, otherwise we're going to close down the government seems to me uh, what we've always done is capitulate and uh, just go okay well in the last hour we'll go ahead and increase the debt ceiling and of course it costs us trillions uh, over the last 10 years decades what are your thoughts
4: well yeah it, it's always an exercise in brinkmanship and when the uh, and the public panics, and so then the, the popularity polls show that uh, you know Congress is uh hated yeah. <laughs> and, and so then the uh, members of Congress panic and they capitulate. they don't follow through uh to actually cut spending in a serious way. You're right about that uh, now what what we'll be telling this time around is you know the Republicans in Congress. We don't know how unified they are. Mm-hmm. There are 20 members of of the uh, the group that uh, tested uh, McCarthy's hold on the, the speakership. Um, you don't know how much clout they'll have. I was I was looking back when the Tea Party picked a dead fight with Obama back in 2011. Mm-hmm. They had 60 members. Now 20 members of of uh, the uh, Young Turks now, uh, you wonder if it will be sufficient. Uh, the Republicans have a very narrow majority. Uh, is it something like uh, 222 seats? But but when you subtract out those 20 members, the uh, the Democrats end end up having an 11 seat majority. So unless the Republican Party can pull together as a unified block, and agree on a specific platform. Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
4: They can't accomplish anything, even in the dead fight, without uh, defectors from the Democrats.
1: And, you know, the first uh, role is to not only to sell the public on their strategy, which is basically, hey, we just can't afford to increase the debt. We, we can't afford this, this kind of debt. It's going to ruin the nation. That's kind of the, the appeal is we have to make some uh, strategic cuts or uh, we're not going to be able to sustain our, our way of life. That's kind of the argument and simplified. But he needs to sell that to, uh, to members of Congress. And I'm talking about McCarthy. Oh, yeah.
4: Well, and the public, because you know, uh, w- when Trump was president, there was no debt ceiling fight. Uh, they re- they raised the debt ceiling, and there was some pretty uh, reckless spending under Donald Trump. Sure, uh, in my in my opinion, right. So, so it 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 erodes the um, the authority of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, when they. When they dig in their heels now, it makes them look like they're they're just a party of obstruction, and that's why they really have to identify specific areas and come up with a strong, you know, platform like Ronald Reagan had that appeals to the American public. I mean, they could target specific uh, federal programs like uh, Joe Biden's uh, loan forgiveness act, which he did he didn't do with an act of Congress. I mean, um, right? You know they. They could draw a line in the sand there. They could uh, say, let's eliminate the Department of Education. You look at the state of education in this country, and the Department of Education has probably made uh, public school education worse, not better. I I mean, there are things that the Republican Party could do that would strike a chord with the public, but I don't see it happening.
1: Uh, I, your concerns are well-founded, based on past experience. I, I certainly understand that. Another thing they could do is uh, this: is just strike out the eighty-seven thousand. IRS new IRS agents are supposed to be hired. And how about Congress giving itself a clandestine raise of uh, thirty-four thousand dollars? <laughs> A year? Did did you read about that? That's unbelievable.
4: I I, I didn't. That is unbelievable. But
1: they didn't. I mean, they did it uh, with without any transparency or debate or discussion. It was just an eleventh-hour act, and they found about out about it last Tuesday. Everybody gets a thirty-four <laughs> thousand dollars raise. How, how that's? I hate to be cynical, but that is just outrageous. But I'm i I'm, I'm suggesting you're suggesting the Department of Education, have, Department of Energy. There's so many things that we could cut. Uh, there's so much bloat and fat. Seems to me we could actually not only make these cuts, but actually lower the debt uh, that we have here in the United States if we, if we acted with courage and conviction.
4: Yeah, I, and to your point, the the IRS uh, the IRS breeds money because its technology is so dated, and it's so difficult for the government to create a system uh, that is modern and can keep up with the time so so going back to steve forbes old idea of having simplifying the taxes so that you can do it on the back of an index card yeah it's actually brilliant because then it it eliminates the need for all this uh, complicated technology all these complicated audits so uh you know there's something the party could jump on as well, well. And not
1: only that but ha- why sh- why should the government know all this stuff about us? I mean, they know everything about us because of the IRS forms that we have to fill out. seems to me, in fact, they actually, uh, uh, the, the fair tax, they actually proposed the fair tax on the floor of the House uh, to, to bring up, as, uh, to vote for. And now it's never going to get through, you know, the Senate or the president's signature, but at least it's, it's now been vocalized, it's been promoted as an idea, and hopefully it'll get some debate.
4: Well, there's a, there's an interesting uh, concept debate <laughs> yeah. of, to your point, with the with the uh, salary increase, we haven't gotten debate from Congress uh, for about eight years now. So um, that's something else they could do. They could use the uh, debt crisis as a um, to really uh, begin debate. You know, they'll capitulate in the end. It's a, it's a it's a show and. And I would urge uh, your listeners not to panic. And if the stock market takes a nosedive for a few days, it's a buying opportunity because you know that's just people who don't pay attention mm-hmm. uh, stampeding for the for the door like lemons, or it's high-frequency traders just programming their computers to uh, create extra downward momentum on negative news. Yeah. So that would be a, a wonderful time. To uh, pick up some credible uh, stocks with solid earnings, uh, companies with uh, better budgeting than the United States.
1: So interesting, Jim. So uh, is it uh, pretty much uh, historical that when we have, a, for example, the government closes down for a period of time that you see the markets take a dip? Volatility increases, but... But
4: I, by the end of the year, it makes absolutely no difference. There's no generally there's no big spike in the treasury rates. Maybe a slight bump in treasury rates, but it's um, you know much ab- do about nothing. I mean, even in the during the crisis, the, the crisis, the Republican popularity generally plunges. And that's when the Republicans capitulate. But then when there's a, in a subsequent election, it's had no impact at all.
1: That's so interesting. Jim, uh, you know, quite frankly, there's been times when the government's closed down, and I've actually looked at the situation, I've gone to websites and so forth, I experienced absolutely no negative effect from the government shutting down. (laughs) And and in fact, they they said they're going to lay off all uh, non-essential workers. Well, why do we have non-essential workers in the first place?
4: well that's um called cronyism
1: uh, well the
4: other thing is you're going to read about the platinum coin which is real i mean i mean there's no way the united states is going to uh, default on its uh uh, debt it could it could increase the uh, cost of business for banks and financial firms that rely on treasuries and turnover um in the short run but uh, but again um you know, going back through the history of all these fights, y- you don't see any uh, huge impact on the markets uh, yeah. in the aftermath.
1: Jim McDade, again, I always appreciate your commentary. It's uh, such an interesting discussion. And again, uh, his latest novel, uh, No Problem, check it out by Jim McDade. Jim, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including uh, we've got uh, Kathleen Pasadena, our uh, president of the State Senate. We also have Boo Mortensen will be joining us, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us as well. always appreciate her commentary here on the show. Appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out for our sponsors who wouldn't have this show if it weren't for them. I hope you have a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.